Well, here we are then, and we come to the attributes of God um, number 10, which is our last one and uh, for this uh, particular set of sessions, uh, and it is God is love. Return, O wanderer, now return, and wipe the falling tear. Thy father calls, no longer mourn, tis love invites thee near. That was written by someone called William Benko Collier. Let's pray before we begin, shall we? Everlasting Father, we magnify you and trust not in what we are, but in what you have declared yourself to be, love. God of all comfort, God of glory, God of love, help us to understand the passion of your love. Then it will indeed cast out our fear. We fear because we know something is wrong with us. We run, we hide from you, because our hearts condemn us. But in your great goodness you do not condemn us, but invite us through the blood and in the beloved to be part of that great community of heaven, and you lovingly welcome us there. Our souls will find no rest until they find their rest in thee. Thank you. Amen. There are three things that are told us about God in the scriptures. First, he is spirit. He's not a spirit, John 4:24. Because he is spirit, he has no visible substance. Jesus is the visible member of the Godhead, and he fills heaven and earth. Second, he is light, 1 John 1, 5, which is the opposite of darkness. Being light means he is the sum of all excellency. And thirdly, the one we are after, God is love. 1 John 4 verse 8. This means not that he loves, but that love is his very nature, his essence. Let it be said at the outset that this love is not weak, amiable, or a sort of good-natured indulgence, as though it were a human emotion. God's love is powerful and an agent that affects radical change in those who receive it. Indeed, it's the Father's expectation that will come into everything that the Son won for us on the cross. If we do not make every effort to do so, we make the cross of Christ of no effect. So we define love in the way he does in 1 Corinthians 13, 7-10, and I'm using the message version. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep a score of the sins of others doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Our rest and God's love are inextricably bound up in each other. If we don't believe that God is good, that he loves us, pities us, completely understands us and takes great delight in us is our comfort and our delight 
is all-sufficient and has good plans for us, plans for our welfare, not our calamity, we will never be in a place of peace and rest in this life. There is, said Hannah Whitehall Smith, a great deal of longing and hope among Christians, but not much knowing. We are not commanded to love and follow God in order to become his children, but because we are his children. We are not told to seek him as our highest pleasure and love him in order to become sons, but because we are sons of the Most High God. And similarly, we are not commanded to love him of ourselves because he first loved us. He always gives us what he asks of us. 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. His is first love. Exposure to this love is our first experience of what love is really all about. Receiving his pure, outpouring love does something indescribable within. As we are touched by him, we are inarticulate. We can't describe the experience. We only know it makes us hungry for more. His love gives. It doesn't take. It seeks nothing for itself. Human, fallen, natural love always seeks something for itself. It is self-referential. God is continually our lover and we are continually his beloved. It doesn't depend on us, on our performance, but upon him and his constancy and his choice to set his love upon us. Deuteronomy 7, 6-8 In time... His love for us raises the water table of all our other affections in life. As we marinate in his love, our love for others is automatically upgraded. When God rules in our hearts, all other loves improve and increase. Our greatest need right now may simply be to know and receive that we're loved, accepted and approved every single day. For our soul is so specially loved of him that is highest that it overpasses the knowledge, the knowing of all creatures. That is to say there is no creature that is made that may know how much and how sweetly and how tenderly our maker loveth us. And therefore we may with grace and his help stand in spiritual beholding with everlasting marvel of this high, overpasting, inestimable love that Almighty God has to us of his goodness given. It is out of his ineffable, unutterable, unspeakable, magnificent goodness that he loves. God is love. And a characteristic of this overwhelming love is that it takes pleasure in the object of its desire. He loves what he created and he enjoys it. Genesis 1, 31 And God saw all he'd made, and behold, it was very good. God's purpose in creation was his own pleasure. We are part of the pleasure of God. He was, and is, very pleased with his handiwork. Furthermore, he's supremely happy in his love for all he's made. He's a happy God, and it is in the nature of his love that it doesn't lie quiescent, but moves creatively, actively and compassionately 
towards that which it made. He doesn't look upon that which he created critically or with disgust, loathing or contempt. He honours it and provides for it, upholds it and sustains it and values it and he redeems it. I saw a stately lord seated in his regal chamber. Before him stood a lowly manservant, respectful and waiting to do his lord's will. The servant waited a long time, and it was clear that he felt nothing but love for his lord. Oddly, he was dressed in clothes that were scanty and worn almost to rags, filthy with grime and sweat. And then the Lord leaned forward and spoke something private to the servant, and the servant rushed from the Lord's presence as fast as he could. Jesus stands before the Father, clothed in the filthy, sweaty rags of Adam's flesh, eager to perform the will of his Father in the redemption of mankind. That's from Julian of Norwich. And from the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave. When you're in the company of the giver, who gave that which was most precious to him, freely and without restraint, you cannot but desire to give, freely and without restraint. When you know his love, you cannot but love. He has no human enemy who knows God's love. The love of God is a pillar upon which our hope rests. Self-sufficient as he is, He's allowed his heart to be entwined with ours. He wants our love and will not be satisfied until he has it, although he has no need of it. Free as he is, he's let his heart be bound to us forever, for he takes pleasure in his people. Peter, when asked by Jesus if he loved him, was grieved. Jesus, you know I love you. You are great and I enjoy being around you. Peter could go no further in his natural self. He expressed only the love he knew how to express, the love of friendship, phileo. But Jesus was seeking something more. John twenty-one seventeen. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Peter had boldly told the Lord he was ready to face death for him, yet with the words of a young girl he was undone. And at the point of this question, Peter had not arrived at the place where he could understand and live in the self-giving love of God. So he responds three times from friendship love, phileo, an altogether lower form of love. So Jesus points him to the love that gives freely. Feed my sheep. Pour yourself out, Peter, for others. Forget about yourself. Peter would learn the higher path. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts of love are not low, earthbound thoughts of love. His love is higher, much higher. It's not easily offended. It keeps no record of wrong. It's not bitter. I love God, but I can't love people. It's full of joy and laughter, peace and righteousness. It's patient, kind and suffers long. 
It's absolutely just. It's eternally merciful. It doesn't seek its own, but gives freely without asking a return. It waits. Oh, how it waits. It's gentle and compassionate. It's full of grace and truth. It's merciful and altogether lovely. And it is ours to be experienced fully and given away. Our purpose on the earth is to be a blessing to others, passing on what God has given us. God's love towards us is perfect and it never ever changes. His love as his holiness shines on all his other attributes and casts luster on them. Pause and think about that statement for a moment. The words God is love mean that love is an essential attribute of him expresses the way he is in his being as do the words holiness justice faithfulness mercy and truth and because he never changes he always acts like himself he never suspends one of his attributes in order to exercise another he's not diminished in any way by pouring out his love on us and on all people just as the sun is not partial in its shining nor does it lose its strength shining indiscriminately on everyone and his desire is that his people take great delight in him and who he is for delighting god has an infectious quality about it to know and experience god as love is at once the hardest and the easiest thing in the world it's hard if we resist him he always brings us the easiest way we will come it's easy because such knowledge is not won by mental toil and intense study, is something freely given and needs only to be received and experienced by the heart. As sunlight falls on the open field, so the knowledge of God is a free gift to the hearts of those who are open to accept it. God desires to be known and loved. I want you to know me. He has never been a God who has hidden himself. His ways are plainly seen from Genesis to Revelation as his, is his desire to be with his people, a people he's made for himself. It's his desire that you follow him, not another. He doesn't want a vicarious relationship with you, but that you live in the shadow of his wings, one with the one, that sort of relationship. He desires you face to face. He desires your kiss of love. And then let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. A characteristic of God's love is that it's glorious. It's magnificent. It takes great pleasure in the object of its love. It takes delight in the happiness that is felt by the object of his love. It derives its delight in seeing another happy and blessed. In this sense, it's self-indulgent. He's indulging himself in seeing your delight in him for love is a circle romans eleven thirty six. for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever amen god is happy he's contented joyful and cheerful he's pleased in his love for all he has made Heaven is a place of, full of inexpressible, overwhelming joy. He is a joyous father who delights in his children. 
He takes enormous pleasure and enjoyment in us. He's not distant, gloomy or displeased. He's not wringing his hands in despair over us. He's not full of anger. His wrath was fully satisfied by the death of his son. And beloved, you do not present a problem to him. He's totally confident in himself and his own ability to bring things together at the end of the time. Unworried, unhurried, he waits to bring his plan to completion. His desire is that we live and rest in him, for he has everything covered. We are the objects of his delight, pleasure, enjoyment, joy, happiness, gladness, and at times even his amusement. God doesn't love populations, amorphous masses. He loves individuals. He loves people and he loves you. He always has. He loves you 100%, all the way, all the time. His love's not based on your performance. He chose to set his love on you and nothing you can, you can or cannot do will change his mind. He will never feel any differently towards you. He's immutable. He never ever changes. He cannot go against himself. I, the Lord, change not. Malachi 3, 6. He will continue to love you whether you like it or not, believe it or not. Or, or He will continue to love you whether you like it or not or believe it or not. For you're living under the benevolent gaze of one who loves you with all his heart, soul, mind and strength. He's pleased with you. He likes you. He approves you and he accepts you on your very worst day. A.W. Tozer says, His love is incomprehensibly vast, a shoreless ocean before which we kneel in joyful silence and from which the loftiest eloquence retreats, confused and abashed. The fire is love burns for you, not against you. Ruth Fazell says in the introduction to one of her songs, the fire is my love, but more than that, it's the essence of my presence. There's nothing that can stand in, in my fire without being consumed, either by my love or my judgment. Come to me with hungry hearts. Come to me with hearts turned towards righteousness. You will see me in the fire. You will know me in the fire. The fire burns for you, not against you. If you submit yourself to my fire, you will know my love in a depth you've never experienced before. Come into the fire. Know my love. Christ is all and is in all and his love has conquered our hearts. 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Uncreated, shoreless ocean, awe-inspiring and divine, hast thou said that I may own thee, mine? Mine, yes, mine, he's mine and I'm his, and shall be now until the earth no longer spins and all of heaven welcomes in. Then he and I in that bright glory, one deep joy shall share, mine to be forever with him, his that I am there.
The love of God is magnetic and it's experiential. He draws, you respond. It's received by faith, continues by faith. It isn't a feeling, it's a fact. God himself is the solid bedrock of all fact. The book of Hebrews tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12.2. The eyes which are spoken of here are the eyes of our heart. By faith we keep our eyes on the facts in order that we do not look at our feelings or we will fall. God comes heart to heart with us, not head to head. He doesn't live in your head, he lives in your heart. Hear this. For the love of God is broader than the measures of man's mind, and the heart of the eternal is most wonderfully kind. But we make his love too narrow by false limits of our own, and we magnify his strictness with a zeal he would not own. That was written by a man called Frederick Faber. God's love cannot be measured. It must be experienced. And when it's experienced, it's addictive. Drinking, we thirst. We go mad on our way to sanity and we die on our way to life. So said Augustine. Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8. For the Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of all the peoples, but because the Lord loved you. So I'm going to make a declaration now. It's Graham Cook's actually, but I'm just going to use it. Thank you, Gray. I declare you are the beloved of God. He's looking at you now with absolute intention. He's coming after you and you will not stop him from loving you because this is about him declaring who he's going to be for you. He has designs on you. There is an intimacy in God's heart that cannot be held up any longer. God, as your lover, as your beloved, is coming after you with romantic intent. There is a place in the affections of God where you're going to be swept away. You're going to be so radically affected by God that you have to learn a new language and have to have your eyes touched and then a language to speak out what you're seeing. God is saying you're no longer defiled, you're pure, you're spotless, you're free. I see you as pure. You're my virgin because my blood has cleansed every part of your heart, your mind, your body. My blood is like acid to sin. It dissolves it. You're not defiled. You're pure. You are my virgin bride. You are holy and beloved. Clean. You're clean by the washing of water and the word. Pure, righteous and holy. You're my virgin, undefiled, separated to me, belonging to me. I see you. I see you. I declare to you the past no longer has anything to do with who you are now. You are free. You are so free. You are free to see yourself as I see you. I don't see anything wrong with you. All I see is beauty. beauty. You are so beautiful. You're undefiled. You're a new creation. All the old has passed away. Everything has been new for a long time. You're so new. Revel in your cleanness. Revel in your purity. I'll help you with all the stuff. 
I've given you a safe place in my heart. You can adore me because I adore you first. Are you not my beloved? You're mine. You're mine. You're my woman. You're my woman. You're clean. You're pure. And you're beautiful. Permission has been granted for you to live a life overwhelmed. That was an extract from the Soaking CD on the permission granted set of CDs. God's love isn't passive. It's passionate. And he will not rest himself until you know it. Really, really know it. Still, still without ceasing, I feel it increasing the fervour of holy desire and often exclaim, let me die in the flame of a love that can never expire. That was one of his lovers, Madame Guillaume. Amen. God bless you.